0: And welcome to a special episode of Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod I
1: am Travis I Quillet Alec <laughs> uh, Some of the biggest bands of the 90s never had a modern rock number one But we still want to spend some time with them San
2: Diego band Stunt Temple Pilots had five mainstream rock number ones And quite a few modern rock hits uh, Side note, quite a few number twos um, but never a modern rock number one. Today we'll talk about Stone Temple
0: Pilot's four 90s albums Core, Purple, Tiny Music, Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop, and Number Four, and rate some of their hits.
2: Uh, was it really Songs from the Vatican? I thought it was Tiny Music from the Vatican Gift Shop.
0: Get the hell out of
1: here.
2: It is bad. Oh, I must be an idiot.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, hello. Welcome to this very special episode, our STP special. Uh, today, we'll be talking about Stone Temple Pilots, who are comprised of Robert DeLeo on the bass, Dean DeLeo on guitar, Eric Kretz on drums, and for most of their career, Scott Wayland on the vocals. What's uh, what's the one-minute version of this band's biography?
3: Oh,
0: I think it's that... Um scott and robert met at a black flag show Mm -hmm. and they were already part of a band called mighty joe young which was really funky um (laughs) there's some (laughs) yeah some some cool stuff if you dig around on the internet
1: to find early stone temple pilots um yeah if you just look up mighty joe young what was the song we listened to just like get funky now or dirty dog or something, right? Dirty dog. I think it was dirty dog.
2: (laughs) I was so lost, uh, by that text message. I had no idea what that was.
0: So they do that. And, uh, and then they put out an album in 1992 and kind of jump on the grunge, uh, bandwagon. And then they get into
1: heroin and the rest is history. (laughs) <laughs> now, did uh, Scott Whalen got into heroin? Did any of the other band members get into heroin? That's a that's a good point. I don't know. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure that it's just Whalen. I, I think um, that's right. After the first two albums, um, Plush and Purple, they took a break, and Scott Wayland started using heroin. And after that, their their career was kind of constantly interrupted for rehab and at least one stint in prison for Scott Whelan. Uh They were unable to tour. Um, at some of the biggest moments in their career. And um, in the 2000s, there's some more drama that we, we won't really talk about today, but um, Scott Whelan jumped ship and joined Velvet Revolver with members of Guns N' Roses, and Chester Bennington of Linkin Park mm-hmm. uh, became a vocalist for the band. And what, three, four years ago? Scott Whelan, Uh, uh Yeah. Sadly, uh...
2: 2015. I I 2015 read. I already. I thought it was longer ago. Um but yeah, 2015.
1: Uh yeah, Scott Whelan sadly passed away and uh, I believe that the other 3 have played some shows with yet another uh, lead singer, vocalist. yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's your your general relationship with STP? Quill, why don't you tell
2: yeah, us? Yeah, yeah. Um I they were like probably um the first Alternative rock band um that I got into um, I think I was like fifth grade or so.
1: What about you, trev
2: Um, I liked them from afar they
0: um I never had one of their albums. Um I usually would like borrow a friend's copy and maybe like tape it or something like that. Um, huh. I remember Interstate love song being a big um like kind of a pop hit like i feel like that was on pop radio and um because of that that was like it was very exciting to me when that happened and that was probably the first time i remember coming across them
1: i i eventually owned all four of these albums but i definitely like quill and i started with purple and when i listen to 90s alternative rock i feel like stone tumble pilots singles are one of the main things that I want to listen to. Like, that's like what I think of when I think of this podcast and like what I want to listen to. So it's funny mm-hmm. that we don't have any actual SDP songs. It's a crime. Yeah. It's a crime. Um, What do you think this band does well?
2: Rhythm section is awesome. And I think uh, the guitarist is pretty uh, excellent and creative and well-versed, uh, very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he, uh, has a wealth of styles, um, that he can perform and, um, it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty focused on Robert DeLeo, the bassist who is at least 75% of the time involved in, the songwriting process they're they're kind of have a curious credits songwriting credits if you look at them like scott yeah. wayland writes the lyrics for all the songs but there are songs that um robert DeLeo, the bassist writes there are songs that some songs that uh dean DeLeo writes and there's even a, a, at least a couple of songs that eric kretz the drummer writes mm-hmm. um including actually one of their best singles but the, um, the intersection of the rhythm section and just kind of like the, the harmonic aspects of the songs, which and that's where the bass sits. Um, that's what's really exciting to me about STP.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that their singles are really good. They, they make singles well. Um, and as I found out, you know, having not really spent time with all of the albums, um, they're a different band outside of the singles.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, what does this band do poorly? Uh, Be a heavy
0: band. (laughs) Everything that they try to do that is heavy is so bad. Anything that's like when they're writing songs around power chords, it never works out. But if they're actually like getting into like, um, I don't know, like more complex chords, it can actually be really interesting.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But the heavier they go, the worse it is.
1: So this band has a bunch of number ones on the mainstream rock chart, but not on the modern rock chart. Now, like Quill said earlier, they do have a bunch of number twos on the on the modern rock chart. But why do you think this band was more successful on the mainstream chart and on mainstream radio than on alternative radio?
2: Maybe their uh, proximity and sound to butt rock, um, at least on core, and I mean even. Well, definitely on uh, number four, but uh, even on purple, um, there's still a little bit of the, um, they're like clinging on to, um, you know, 80s hard rock, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was going to say along those lines, something about like uh, iceberg theory where they're like, the things that you see are these um, rich sort of colorful singles. But the iceberg underneath the water, the base, the foundation of of their stuff is the terrible heavy stuff. I mean, that's happening a lot.
1: Um, I have two thesis statements that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on now. And then I'm curious to kind of revisit throughout the episode. The first is that STP are craftsmen, not artists, which is a, the, the language is tricky there yeah because what's what's art? but I, I think that w- the the thing that I would say is uh, if STP were a painter and they painted you a picture of a sailboat, they would not make you see sailboats in a new way, mm. but it would be it would look a, very much like a real sailboat mm. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I have to say about Stone Temple Pilots, which I think we've already said, is just that Stone Temple Pilots is a singles band. I would say that
0: Stone Temple Pilots are craftsmen and that they sound like a bunch of tools. (laughs) (laughs) At times.
1: Well, should we go album by album? Let's.
2: Yeah, let's get to it. Sure.
1: All right. Well, <laughs> we'll start with start with the um fantastic selling album. I didn't write down numbers for specific albums, but uh, this is probably their best-selling album, right? Core, their very first. It was huge. Huge success. Um off of the strength of singles like Plush, creep, wicked garden, and sex type thing. <laughs> I wrote down shit riffs. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote uh, proto sure. new metal. Yeah, proto new metal. Yeah. Um. So shortly after this album came out, um. They were voted the best new band by Rolling Stone readers and the worst new band by Rolling Stone critics. Mm-hmm. I read that. And <laughs> um, I think that this album completely earns its negative critical reception. People say that this is a fifth-rate grunge copycat, and I, I kind of couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, and I mean I think especially when like we heard what they were before. When you hear those Mighty Joe Young songs. <laughs> they're, they're not anything like this. And to put an album out in 1992 on a major label, to make that kind of a jump, you can't help but be kind of cynical about like why they made that, that change, right? I mean, mm, yeah, I think critics kind of saw them as posers and bandwagon jumpers, and I think they were probably right.
1: Do you think they're more of a Pearl Jam ripoff on this album or an Alice in Chains ripoff on this oh, album?
2: Oh, Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains, yeah, for sure.
1: So I don't listen to Alice in Chains a ton. Uh, what do you hear?
2: Uh, and just in, like, the heaviness and kind of, like, the uh, slugginess um, is yeah. more uh, comparable to Alice in Chains. Um, Pearl Jam, I feel like even early Pearl Jam had some pep in their step a little bit, and there's like mm-hmm. none of that. Um Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a bleakness, I right? I found that I liked yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good good way to put it. Um I found that I liked parts of quite a few of the songs uh on core. Um oh. I never felt like I hated core. Um I always preferred purple. Um But I, yeah, like, uh, and, and again, uh, partly, well, mainly the singles, um, like, um, I think the chorus of sex type thing is okay. Uh, Wicked Garden has some cool parts. Um, I generally like Plush and Creep, too. Um, which, when I was a kid, I think I thought Creep was by Nirvana, um, before I knew. (laughs) Yeah, um, understandable. He, uh, Wylan sounds a lot like, uh. Cobain on the chorus
4: take time with a wounded hand cause I like to steal take time with a wounded hand cause a
2: Also, uh, I, I, and I looked this up, um, to see if it made sense. Uh, when I was a kid, the talk of my school and like my friends was that creep, um, was about John Bobbitt. <laughs> yeah, um, oh my God. <laughs> me too.
1: That's crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, but the thing is, is that, that <laughs> I'm
1: half the man I used yeah, to be. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, and, uh, <laughs> That, I mean, that didn't happen until 93, um, so that's an impossibility. Um, but, yeah, definitely that was a theory going around amongst my, my friends who also liked Sun Top of Pilots. Scott
1: Wayland is a vocal shapeshifter. I mean, from song to song and album to album, he, he puts on very different hats depending on kind of what his responsibilities are. And I, even on the singles, I just feel like he's in full meathead mode. Anytime that he's mm-hmm. doing the Uh 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 like any uh i just can't i can't stand any of it which is Um, really
0: interesting because he is supposedly very like against that even at this time right i mean like from everything i read he was this very open-minded progressive kind of guy but he mm -hmm. was trying to take on this character of of uh you know especially in like sex type thing i'd read that he's um you know taking a position um, or performing as a character That was, was aggressive Or, or you know, predatory or something like that
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, Let's dive into sex type thing uh, Let's let's do, a, let's do a clip real quick says that this is he's ironically taking on a character to critique kind of male sexual violence and some of the attitudes that are associated with uh, with sexual violence so he's got lines like um, uh, you shouldn't have worn that dress and uh, what else does he say um, here I come I come I come! <laughs> I come. Oh, what does he say uh, i am i am i am i said i want to get next to you um i don't know this is aggressive uh sexual attitudes and i i don't think i'm the only one who just with the overall attitude of the song like zero irony comes across in this song yeah I don't know where we're supposed to figure out that there's irony, but like mm-hmm. even in the music video, he's looking like it's curious that Trav was saying proto new metal because he was actually reminding me of of all people. He was reminding me of Fred Durst in that video, the way he looked mm-hmm. and the the way that he was not necessarily the style in which he was singing with the lyrical content. Um, i I think the song is just a failure <laughs> uh, at what it's trying to do. And um I think most critics agreed. I think uh, I read Robert Christgau saying something like, you, know, "You can't say that you don't mean the words when the power chords are like, are, are, are having the same effect. Like they're telling they're telling the listener that you mean it." And uh, Rolling Stone called it a testosterone fest.
0: Yeah, I loved uh, the Christgau quote. Um, I wrote it down because I thought it was like such a perfect sort of like like it just pegged the song perfectly. It said sex type thing shows that they should reconceive their aesthetic strategy. Critique wise, irony has no teeth when the will to sexual power still powers your power chords. And I thought that was perfect. And, you know, I, I think like, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the song is just like his performance is so convincing in what he's doing that. It's like, there's like, (laughs) Yeah. What, what else are we supposed to take away yeah. from
1: this? I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not casting doubt on Waylon's character. I just think musically it doesn't accomplish what the band set out to accomplish. Right. Let's go through the singles and hear what you all think of each one. Um, Wicked Garden.
0: Those first three songs are just like, uh, just like the the holy trinity of shit rock. Like it just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I could like those. Yeah, and they're all like singles. They're songs that you hear on the radio, mm-hmm. and like, like heard like separately, you don't kind of put it together. But then like when it's like all in a row, it's like Jesus, man, this is terrible. I don't know. Like if if I would love to hear somebody like a fan of alternative rock convince me that this is um, interesting and uh, a good contribution to like nineties alternative rock.
2: Well, I, I like the part on Wicked Garden that, the Uh, and then when it gets to the uh... that part's it loses me.
1: <laughs> yeah, that part's pretty, pretty symptomatic of the whole album.
2: Yeah. I wanna run through the again. Oh, and the chorus, the chorus is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: that, that, that's a decent that's melody. Good. Yeah. Um, plush, probably the the best regarded single from this album. That was a mainstream number one and a modern rock number nine. When I
4: see these elastico-
1: What do you all think of plush?
2: Uh love it. Oh, great. What
3: yeah. do you like about uh, it?
2: The uh, chorus is awesome. Hmm. Um, I, I okay, really so like... now
1: this is the when the dogs begin to smell her song. Oh, yeah. Um, So do you like the and i feel i feel when the dogs begin to smell her or
2: oh and the dog and yeah. Her. yeah that part uh yeah of okay. course it's good i like the kind of like noodly guitar part that's happening underneath chord progression underneath it there are a cool
0: couple of major 7th chords in the song in the verse progression like the second half of the verse um progression as it goes mm-hmm. um that i like um i i thought of this as like a um I wondered if, you know, if, if when I come around as a ballad, is plush a ballad
1: in the same way? Hmm. Uh, I think of, uh, it's I think not of a plush, I think of plush in the same kind of vein as like alive by Pearl Jam, something like that. Like a, I guess it's a, is it an anthem?
0: Like an arena mm-hmm.
1: rock anthem? It's an arena rock. Yeah. Thing, definitely. I think that's, that's fair.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I have a lot of, um, like nostalgic feelings for the song. Um, it makes me think of summer in elementary school. Um, it makes me think of, uh, waking up and eating a bowl of cereal while watching sports center ESPN sports center, um, for three hours, the same episode (laughs) three times in a row. That's beautiful. And then, uh, going out into my backyard and shooting hoops and then riding mm. my bike around the neighborhood. Jeez. Um, that's, like, it's very, uh, that's what the song makes me think about. That's
1: yeah. The life. Yeah. The song makes me think of when I smell a woman's corpse out in the woods. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I read that this was about, they had read an article about a, a missing lady who was later discovered to be dead, and uh, Wyland and Kretz, wrote the lyrics in a hot tub after hearing the story. (laughs) Like what, what are like, there's kind of a disconnect there, a weird kind of thing. Like, oh man, I
1: think the guitar (laughs) chords are cool. Uh, Again, I just, there's, there's more seemingly sympathetic discussion of like violence towards women that, I just never have read it as being very sympathetic. Like, it just seems like for the purpose of being edgy. Hmm. Um, and musically, I hear this as a practice run for Interstate Love Song.
2: I, I hear that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's...
1: <laughs> Creep. Uh, mainstream, number two. Modern rock, number 12. What do you all think of Creep?
0: It's great. <laughs> My note was fine, but stained. like and i didn't really like i haven't listened closely to to creep in a long time but i listened to and i was like this is like the blueprint for stained hey listen
2: i read that um okay so stp uh went on the family values tour. i read the same thing yeah okay
0: in like <laughs> but, I didn't, but, but it was before i was like this song sounds like stained
2: yeah in 2001 and uh what's what's his name aaron uh aaron lewis aaron lewis sang uh with the band yeah creep yeah it,
0: it's clearly like like a stained <laughs>
2: influence yeah <laughs> i i I feel
1: like this is one of our biggest nirvana wannabes yet uh yeah you know quill you had mentioned that it sounds like kurt and the lyrics are kurt they're uh you know uh he likes to heal i like to steal just like that that kind of couplet that nonsensical kind of like um it's so so kurt and it was just low self-esteem i guess is unfortunately associated with kurt but uh, i do think that this is the best song on the album though Hmm. I hadn't considered yeah. that there was a best song in the album.
2: <laughs> it, it's between this and it's between creep and plush for me. Uh-huh. No,
0: you know what? I did have a, a best song in the album. It was wet the bed. I wrote for my notes for wet the bed. You do not have enough passable material on this album to even attempt to waste everyone's time by including a song like this. Also, maybe the best song in the album. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Okay, well, let's move on to Greener Pastures. Let's talk about Purple. This debuted at number one in 1994. Um, How do you all feel about Purple in contrast to Core?
2: Oh, compared to Core, it's like incredible it's like the greatest <laughs> album of all time uh no this coming from the guy who was the core defender um yeah it's awesome uh this is the one album that i think i like at least one of the non-singles Uh uh-huh. um i think that yeah i think that overall this might be the my favorite i guess my favorite album of theirs granted like half of the album is singles
0: yeah i think it's it's uh surprisingly good um and in the sense that like i can't believe it's the same band that made Mm -hmm. core um and they started to focus on their strengths i mean like you Mm -hmm. know i i said i thought their their strengths were writing like pop rock songs and their weaknesses is trying are trying to be heavy and they for the most part, stop trying to be heavy. There's a couple of heavy songs that are pretty bad in purple. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But
1: Uh, real quick, because it sounds so much like a core holdover. What do you think of meat plow? The very first track.
0: Yeah. Uh, Core holdover. Mm -hmm. I think you said it.
2: It is, but
1: I kind of like meat plow.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't hate meat plow. I think it's okay, but I do uh, agree that it's a holdover.
1: I, I think that the chorus is really good. It switches into this major mode that I don't feel like we've heard from this band yet.
4: To break us down Yeah, will break me down They break us and we But I got a lover and yeah, she shows me how To understand Yeah, to
3: understand I got a lover
1: and Well, he shows me And there's this uh, slide guitar um, I feel like it it goes to a <laughs> a meathead kind of place on the verses, but uh, I really like the chorus of this song. When I put this song on, and then it goes into Vaseline, I like I'm like psyched to listen to the album. <laughs> uh, But sorry, Trav, you said there are some things that are still like core.
0: Yeah, no, I would have said Meat Plow and probably Loungefly, <laughs> and <laughs> then there's something. There's maybe a, a one or two songs near the end that were also sort of that way, but for the most part. Um, they're so much more uh, bright and colorful and mm-hmm. interesting um, than they were on core.
1: This was my favorite when I was a kid. And I think it. what we get to see now is that this band is really clever. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we really got to see how clever they are on core. The guitar playing is excellent mm-hmm. on this album. And uh, like I've already said, the bass playing is really excellent on this album. Um, One distinction behind the scenes is there's a lot more involvement in the songwriting from Dean DeLeo. In particular, he wrote Big Empty Um, and uh, his mark on Interstate Love Song is definitely really significant. Rolling Stone gave three stars and said, by now dissing Stone Temple Pilots has become as predictably indie rock as worshiping Sonic Youth. The higher the quartet's 1992 debut creeps past triple platinum, the more alternative rock hecklers sling Pearl Jam wannabe jokes like Rotten Fruit. The accusations wouldn't be so harsh if Pearl Jam hadn't already been labeled Nirvana ripoffs, making STP knockoffs of a knockoff.
0: Yeah, I hadn't considered, um, uh, until you read that, um, the, the The Pavement line about you know mentioning some mm-hmm. type pilots because it always kind of gets overshadowed by the Smashing Pumpkins one right. but um yeah they were kind of you know kind of mocked there and
1: yeah for sure uh, yeah I was too young at
0: the time to realize that anyone was cooler than anyone else you know when mm-hmm. it came to all this stuff it seemed like it was all very cool
1: you know I I, I mentioned that Creep was the most blatant Nirvana wannabe on core um one dart that i will throw at this band is uh and this album unglued i think is a is an extremely blatant nirvana ripoff yep
0: i thought the same thing
2: it is but i fucking love it I think yeah. the
3: chorus,
0: the chorus of that song slaps. It's total nirvana. The chorus especially is oh, totally
2: definitely, uh-huh. yeah. absolutely. But
1: the riff, uh, you know, the lyrics, the moderation is masturbation thing, like <laughs> all of that is, that's just classic. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt wannabe lyrics.
2: I think that chorus is so catchy, though. I it I, is
1: a it is a catchy. Chorus,
2: I can't help know. it. I like. I love that song.
1: All right, well let's let's talk about singles, and I think we'll have a lot of positive things to say here. Big Empty um, mm-hmm. was on the Crow soundtrack, and then uh, was released as a single, and, and sort of became the de facto first single from this record. Mainstream number three, modern rock number
3: seven.
4: A
0: Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was gonna go back to the um about a girl um Yanni Laurel E chord. Is it a major uh-huh. or a minor? And it turns out it sounds like it's an E E minor seven flat five, which means it's an E minor with a with a B flat in it. Um, which is not necess- sorry, in about
1: a girl? No, no, and Big B- Empty. In Big Empty during okay.
0: the during the verse. So, um, yeah, it, it was something that I thought was, like, maybe a major, you know, I, and that's, the, I, I mentioned this because it's my favorite part of the song, is going back and forth between those two chords in the verse. Yeah, um, and it's
1: an interesting melody. It is. It is. Mm-hmm.
0: And then also, I mean, yeah, I, I guess covering the whole song, but, like, the, um, the chorus is great, um, just kind of, like repositioning the the G shape over a couple of different chords and then the end of the chorus. The chorus ends very well too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that ding 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 ding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh very cool guitar stuff. Dean DeLeo wrote that one. The guitarist wrote that song. And um yeah, the chorus is like it's a good anthemic uh mm-hmm. the 90s alternative rock chorus and the slide guitar, um, acoustic slide guitar or, or awesome. yeah. You, uh, at least, um, clean slide guitar mm-hmm. is really great too. And there's, um, before the last chorus, there's that great kind of breakdown period where it seems like the song is ending and, um, Eric Kretz is kind of heavy on the toms yeah. and Scott Whelan's doing that wordless, yeah, uh, yeah. there's some slide guitar and then it comes back into the chorus. That's a great moment. Yeah. Next single is Vaseline, mainstream number one, modern rock number two. I've already shared that I think this is one of the best modern rock singles of the 90s.
0: You guys love
4: this.
2: It's awesome. It is yeah, it's about perfect. It's so good. Man, I think it's just fine.
0: <laughs>
2: How dare you.
1: <laughs> I think it's without a doubt the best song on Purple. I'll repeat some of the things that I said before. Uh it's got a very complicated rhythm, polyrhythms. Um the drums are doing a really uh a really tricky beat and uh the Choruses are are pretty unusual. Um, awesome bridge. Cords, bridge, uh, amazing bridge, and it's super is efficient. It's really right. It's it can't be much more than three minutes long.
2: Yeah, it's just over three, I think.
1: Uh, guitar solo is totally awesome. Vaseline is is a oh a
2: great one. Vaseline is just under three, according wow. to Wikipedia.
1: All the more evidence of its excellence.
2: The phrase came from Scott Weiland
0: uh, originally thinking that Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles um, during the chorus of that song, he thought when they were saying Life in the Fast Lane, he thought they were saying Flies in the Vaseline. Hmm. Um, And that's where it came from. And so he wrote a song about it. Um, I also wrote that the drummer, um, Eric Kretz, played the smallest drum kit he could find for this song.
2: Does that mean anything to you? Aaron, no it's just very interesting yeah i wonder what that i would like to see what the kit was and how small it was yeah
1: yeah um i mentioned that this is i see this as the the proto uh airbag by radiohead mm. and we're moving in that direction hmm. so if stp are a Pearl Jam ripoff, who are a Nirvana ripoff, then uh, Radiohead are a <laughs> SDP ripoff of a, P- a Pearl Jam ripoff or of a Nirvana ripoff. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly.
0: Yeah. Uh, the video <laughs> also, I don't know if we're talking about videos yet, but this yeah, video- I like that video. is insane.
1: It's there is cool.
0: way too much going on,
1: right? Yeah. The highlight is that Scott Whelan does this curious little dance with a cane, mm-hmm. which is, uh, is fun to see. Yeah. There's-
0: It's just like one abstract thing after another with nothing tying it together.
1: Yeah. it's. I mean, in that sense, it's kind of cool. I love this song. (laughs) Next single is a behemoth. Um, Mainstream rock number one for 15 weeks and a modern rock number two interstate love song. Trav, why don't you start on this one? Because I think that you are, you're the most enthusiastic about it. Yeah.
0: um, I think this song is wonderful. And I think this is, I think I mentioned before that I think, um, when I think of modern rock, I think of interstate love song. I think of this as like, like one of the, the, the best examples that you can think of, of like alternative rock from 1994. Um, it's this song. There's there's so much um to like about it. Um the one thing I guess I, I, I did come to kind of hear it in a different way. Um obviously, you know, I've heard it for twenty-five years now. And um and I've always appreciated the way it sounded, but um and doing a little bit of research for it. Um I guess I did. It, it did become apparent to me that this would be a very easy thing to cover as a bro country song. Um, I, I I don't know how else to say it other than like, you could see like some of these bro country dudes, um, performing this song and and it working. Um, but looking at the lyrics, um, kind of gave me a new perspective on it. It was really cool. Um. It's just about you know, he's really getting into heroin at this point, um and the artwork for the album is actually based on china white heroin that that scott Weiland had had bought in l a um that was the the packaging for it. and so um the song is written from his girlfriend's perspective about how he was becoming a junkie and lying about it. And, um, you know, she's trying to get to the bottom of it. And it was, yeah, I mean, hearing it from that perspective was really cool and refreshing.
1: Yeah, it does make me think about some of the sort of like the emotional peaks of the song in a different way. Like that moment when he says all of these things you've said to me, like that's a that's like a powerful melody. And it's it has like a real tragic feel. Yeah. Um, And coupled with that lyric, definitely uh that's pretty compelling. Yeah, I had I had kind of I mean, I think for the sake of just doing some some jousting with you on the podcast, I had said that this was pickup truck rock. And it, it is to some degree, but I think it's, you know, there's something cool in some ways about a California band doing a um uh, you know, this is the interstate love song. This is this is driving down the freeway. This is going through um pickup truck country. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Having that appeal.
0: Yeah. And every once in a while, I'm the singles. Uh, Wyland does this, um, this twang. He has this twang to his voice, right? This song and creep. Um, Mm. he gets real twangy.
1: My guitar teacher in high school would sit me down and kind of show me what was how to play some songs and what was great about them. And this was one that he always made a point of teaching me. And so I definitely learned to play this song on guitar and on bass. Um, If you don't normally notice bass, definitely listen to the bass. It's uh, it's very cool. I mean, in addition to that guitar part being iconic, um, the bass is kind of bouncing around it in some pretty interesting ways.
0: Yet the verses, the verse chords on this song for uh, for guitar
4: are wild. On a what the lines, the lines.
2: Isn't the chorus unbelievable? I think the chorus is just awesome. Yeah, beautiful. It's so good, and I, I love the uh, um, like each couplet in the verse, like ending on like the one word with the harmonized. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And the riff, the
0: riff is great. Oh my god. Yeah,
1: yeah. the riff is great. No, I oh. mean these these brothers. Uh, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're they're fantastic musicians.
0: Except when they don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> because we know how bad they can be, but we know how good they can be. What is the deal with that? I think mm. there are a lot of music listeners that like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is a lot of what this band does. Yeah. But no, you can't. You, you have to really know your stuff to write the chords to this, mm-hmm. this the yes. verse of, of yes. the Interstate Love song. Confusing. Well, we've we've behind the scenes in the green room, we've had a lot of discussion over um what counts as a single because uh, a lot of these songs were released as singles and then some of them were released as promo singles basically released to see if they could get some radio play out of them. Um so I have pretty penny listed as a single from this
2: as a promo single.
1: This was curiously, this is a mainstream number 12 did not chart on the modern rock chart. This is a, um, a a pretty curious acoustic ballad, and Quill, I think you're usually the one that's enthusiastic I about love, this one. I
2: love this song. Uh, it is probably my favorite song on Purple. Um, I really, really, really love it.
1: So it's is the whole thing in three?
2: Uh, the the I, chorus
1: is very strange time-wise. Yeah,
2: the... <laughs> Uh, the verse is definitely in three and the bridge or three or six, three, um, the chorus. I have no clue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say what's it's going a, on. In it's the an chorus. interesting
2: time signature. Uh, it sound the, the chorus and the bridge to me sound like, um, a Zeppelin, um, mm-hmm. uh, folk song. You um, brought like that weird. up.
0: I was going to suggest, do you think this was written or arranged at the same time as their dancing days cover?
2: I do. And I was wanting to talk about dancing days because that cover is sick. Um, yeah, that's an amazing Zeppelin cover. Um, better than this, the original, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I mean, it I, is. And I, I, I like the Zeppelin, original,
2: but... but I, man, on, uh, uh, yeah, on their dance today's cover, I, the, the slide guitar part, do you know what I'm talking about? Like during the, uh, intro and like the yeah that weird yeah oh yeah yeah it's done cooler on the stp cover i think Uh it it just sounds so cool um yeah anyways unbelievable cover but i trav i think you might be onto something there i definitely think they're um i I definitely think pretty penny is a very much zeppelin influenced song for sure um
1: dancing days i think that's something that Reveals a little bit of STP's future and reveals, uh, Scott Whelan's kind of, he's got a secret, um, kind of crooning ability that he's been hiding from us. And his vocal performance on dancing days is really smooth and like buttery mm-hmm. and, um, a little delicate and like really, really successful mm-hmm. vocal performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there are you know there are some album cuts on Purple that um, they've all got a little something that that is worth listening to. Some of them just kind of try my patience a little bit. I was watching um, VH1 Storytellers with them, and I think that this got cut, but um, the final track, "Kitchenware and Candy Bars," I
2: love that song it way. goes
1: pretty slow, um and I guess if you're not interested you're you're gonna tune out pretty quickly, but um there's a lot of heartache in it and in in storytellers, he reveals that it's the story of he and uh, a a former partner making the choice to get an abortion um, which made me listen to the song a little bit differently, but there are there are quite a few. Really good moments on this album that are not singles. So, I, if you haven't listened to it in a while, I, I definitely would recommend revisiting it. You'll hear some. There's a little bit of junk, but mm-hmm. it's really all in all, it's a solid album.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. So after this album, uh, the the band took a little break. Um got into Scott Wyland got into some more trouble. And then they recorded tiny music songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. And um some curious things happened in between here. So firstly, the DeLeo brothers and Eric Kretz, they decided to form a project to um stay busy while Scott Wyland was going through all of his troubles. And uh, I guess now would be a logical place to talk about that. They formed a band called Talk Show, and I didn't even write down the name of the vocalist. <laughs> All right, Dave Kouts was the vocalist they teamed up with. This is the, I, I was not aware of this previously, but um, when it came time to do Tiny Music, um, the three uh, instrumental members of Stone Temple Pilots had a stockpile of like 30 songs saved up you know, without lyrics, and it's, um, it's ambiguous whether they have melodies or not. I'm sure that to some degree they do have some melodies when they pass the songs on to the lead singers, but um, they basically, the Deleos sat down and, and looked at their list of songs and they pointed at each one and they said, tiny music, talk show, talk show, tiny music, tiny music, um, and they, they decided on, like, basically which lead singers they were going to mm-hmm. give each song to. Um, do you have history with the talk show album? Was this the first time hearing it? What'd you think?
2: I, 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 it was my first time listening to the entire thing. Um, I definitely remember this. I think the single was, was it hello? Hello. Um,
1: I have no memory of hearing so, talk show on the radio. Yeah, uh,
2: and it was pretty good. Uh, weird time signature. Um, cool instrumental, uh, aspects mm-hmm. to it. Um, The album was better than I expected, but I don't know that I would say it was good.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. There were some interesting things on there. One thing that was curious to me was that um, I feel like the material that they saved for the talk show album was more 60s-inspired than anything that STP had put out by that point. And, uh, And the vocalist complies with some kind of more poppy, more kind of um friendly, approachable vibe than Scott Wyland gives off. And I found that um we haven't given a lot of praise to Scott Wyland so far, but I found that I was missing a slight edge, a slight aura of danger that he brings to the band hmm. that was not present in talk show. I thought it was kind of interesting that um, the rest of the band made
0: this album um, with a new singer, and I think during this time, also, Scott Weiland made a song with another band called The Magnificent Bastards and had a song on the Tank Girl soundtrack, and I listened to that song, and it was better than anything I heard in the talk show album. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. It wasn't fantastic, but it was like a passable single. It was something that was like, okay, like you can kind of justify putting this out. Whereas like talk show, like it was so boring to me (laughs) and I wanted, I wanted to be, you know, be able to find something and say like, Hey, this is a cool sort of like forgotten thing that happened. And, uh, there's just not, not anything worth revisiting about talk show.
1: IMO. Well, let's move on to Tiny Music, Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. This debuted at number four in 1996. And again, in the wake of of Weiland's initial troubles with heroin, I think that this is, despite a couple of crummy tracks, I think that this is one of the best mainstream rock albums of this time period.
0: Yeah, my thought was that it was... um their only good album from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I like Purple, but there's a couple of duds. I don't feel like there are any duds on Tiny Music. I feel okay. like there I'm are I'm fascinated
1: definitely... to hear that you don't think there are any duds yeah. on Tiny <laughs> no Music. No duds. I think Stone Temple Pilots' sole worst song is on Tiny Music, but <laughs> wow. let's save that. Yeah. Let's save that.
0: Yeah. So um, I just think it's, it, you know, it, it definitely kind of like- there are peaks and valleys for sure, mm-hmm. but it's all listenable and it's all manageable. So I, I, um, I enjoy it. Just and putting
1: side it a slays. Yes. Top heavy it for sure. Positively slays. Yes.
2: I had never listened to the album before. All the really? Way mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, What'd you think?
2: Um, I think it will, uh, it deserves uh, another listen from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was definitely some duds for me. Um, okay. But
1: yeah. So when I think of this album, it's it's power chords on, on a whole lot of it, but in a completely different mode than on core. This is a... Um, there's a bit of punk. There's a bit of glam. Uh, it's a
2: very British album.
1: Yeah, I thought yeah, of it as a that. psychedelic album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dean DeLeo is apparently into uh, jazz and lounge music, and he gets a little bit of that in. Robert DeLeo is sort of like the the Beatles esque guy. He gets some of that in. Scott Weiland is kind of uh, and he's kind of the punk guy, and everybody gets a little bit of their taste in and at least on the first half it synthesizes into like when we talk about bubble grunge this is the definition of bubble grunge to me like if i had to say what um if i had to say like what the ideal kind of balance of pop and like mild nirvana influences i would point to something like big bang baby or tumble in the rough
0: Oh, wow. That's not my understanding of it at all. I would think it's just a popular version of early grunge music. Like, if you think about like Mud Honey or like the other Seattle bands that maybe aren't as accessible, like a more accessible version of that, which would be like 16 Stone by Bush or like Live. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of when I think of Bubble Grunge. But okay. interesting that you say that.
1: Yeah, and you know we said that Scott Weiland is a little bit of a shapeshifter. He's in pretty much a completely new vocal style
3: mm-hmm. on
1: this record. It's got this kind of like raw, gravelly. There's not a even a hint of the Arr- nah. Arr- yeah. Arr- it's
2: higher pitched. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And there's um, I think there's there's a different rhythmic complexity to these songs. I mean, the first single is Big Bang Baby. And to some degree, like on a surface level, it's just like a straight riff, but there's this, um, the snare and the claps yeah. that are going one, two, done.
2: Yeah. And like, uh, and accenting that, uh, on the second hit too, so that it's like, uh, louder.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. There's this yeah. weird four and hit in mm-hmm. the song and, um, a really curious, strange, psychedelic chorus.
2: Does that song sound like the Kinks to you at all? Like it, to me, it sounds like a a Kinks homage.
1: Yeah, I can hear that. Mm-hmm. I definitely hear some like T Rex on this record. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of Bowie. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's a li- There's a um a reference to Station to Station in the lyrics. I don't know. Yeah, if that's, there is. If that's the Bowie album, but um, uh-huh. yeah, it's mentioned.
2: They covered Andy Warhol.
4: Oh yeah, that's right.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I can I can see Wyland singing that. Um, after Scott Wyland's death, Billy Corgan had some really nice things to say about this album. He said that this was the album when he got into Scott Wyland, and that mm-hmm. it was kind of like the the cocktail of influences that we've already discussed. Rolling Stone gave a three star review. They said STP seemed to have no delusions that they're anything more than well a pop rock band. <laughs> With no attitude to get in the way, the outfit simply churns out summer hits, and the band does a smash-up job of it. And I agree with everything that they say, but I don't think that you have to limit it to three stars just because of that. If uh, somebody churns out summer hits... Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's an accomplishment. I, I think this is an excellent, excellent record. I agree. So the band couldn't tour in support of this album because Wyland was sent back into rehab and um so that definitely interfered with the commercial prospects of this album. Um Side B definitely loses steam. To what extent did you two think it loses steam?
2: I just kind of stopped uh being interested. Mm. Um uh, does does but wait, does Side B start with trippin' and a hole in a paper heart? Yes, okay, it does. Yeah. That's I the mean, only single on side that's, B. That's uh where like after that I'm pretty um
3: I kind of just zone out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not.
0: It's not great, but it's fine to kind of put on in the background. Um, it's not terrible or abrasive, like they can be. Um, they just kind of. It's just kind of passable, you know. Huh. Which is like, I. It's fine to keep going. I. I don't have yeah. any problem continuing with the album. But there's also nothing really there to be excited about. To be fair
1: yeah yeah after a tripping on a hole, I don't think there's anything to be excited about, although I, I guess I am kind of pushing, and so I know. I think that "Ride the Cliche" and Seven Cage Tigers" are two pretty good songs if you yeah. if you want to go back and check them out, um, there's some curious things going on, G- good choruses and, and great guitar playing. So that brings us to art school girlfriend Which I think is the absolute most obnoxious song that uh, art school girlfriend sucks so hard that i i <laughs> almost prevents me from flipping the record over she
3: left her home from sweet Alabama.
1: And Trav, you've defended our school girlfriend at least to some degree in the past.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I would say um, you know I've listened to this song um, about five or four times. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's bad, but it's kind of fun too, right? Like to me, it reminds me. It always reminds me of uh, "I Got a Girl" by Tripping Daisy. Um, not familiar. It's it was a it was a single from a minor band, um, and uh, just kind of a quirky like uh you know, a quirky thing. Um, there's definitely a big <laughs> contrast between the verse and the chorus that is jolting. <laughs> um, but it's it's it doesn't it doesn't offend me. I I, I feel like it's just kind of silly. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't, I don't get upset about it. I just kind of, kind of go with it.
1: One thing that made me feel better about it is that, um, I read one thing online suggesting that it's making fun of STP critics, um, in their pretentiousness with their like, Ooh, art school, uh, got an art school girlfriend that it's kind of like making fun of people who sneer at the band, these snobbish people who say that it doesn't meet their, their artistic mm. criteria, yeah. you know, there's that part, uh, underground parties, Andy Warhol everywhere, uh, all that kind of stuff that's kind of like making fun of, um, I don't know, people who are art school graduates or are connected to the art world, yeah. so I get that, but that chorus, and then there's just a moment I and mean, the chorus sucks every time.
2: Oh man, I like but the chorus. Then a, you, I like the chorus a, more than the verse. I think oh, the verse really?
1: is awful. Then you get a break. There's a little bit of silence, and he just comes back and goes
4: five or four times, <laughs> like
1: <laughs> over and all, just like he does it again.
2: Why do you um, think? Why do you think he chooses to sing it five or four times? I don't
1: know. I have no idea why um, he would choose to do that. Heroin. <laughs> <laughs> sure
2: uh yeah. yeah why else i guess uh, yeah, yeah. no hey, i'm with you it's Al. Trouble this song, with that song. Al, i'm with you the song sucks but <laughs> i think that the chorus is like 10 times better than the verse which is just okay the verses All are right. just the way he sings art like the words art school girlfriend just drive me up a wall
0: I'm not it's not a hill I'm willing to die on, but <laughs> but I I I'm kind of amused by it. It's an amusing okay. kind of uh car crash of a song.
1: All right. Let's talk about some singles. Yeah. Let's... So big big bang baby. I've already uh, uh talked a lot about why I like it. Mainstream awesome. number one, modern awesome. rock number two. Fantastic, awesome Rules. song. Great. I
2: hated it. I hated it when I was a kid. When really? It, when it re, when it released as the first single, um I was so disappointed, and I hated the way scott Wyland was singing. um I hated it. I did not get it at all. And now it's uh either my first or it's probably my favorite song on the album, but maybe tied for first
0: it was an exciting thing. It didn't sound like anything else at the time. And I remember it being pushed on MTV pretty heavily the first week it came out Mm -hmm. like the video, especially Mm because the video is so wild and it didn't look like anything else either. Um, and I just remember being kind of stunned by it. Um, I don't think I I had any kind of like affection towards it or like repulsion towards it. I was just sort of like, what is this? This is different. You know, it, was, it just sounded different. Um, that bridge, the bridge is the the whole psychedelic. Nothing's for bridge. free. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, is that's that so you're good. considering
2: that the bridge? I think so. Do you consider okay. that the chorus? That, that's what I was referring to when I said the chorus being okay. theatrical. Um, but.
1: But yeah. even if you call the pre chorus the, the, pre-chorus the um, I want to cry, but I got to laugh yeah. part, mm-hmm. I mean, even that part is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, the one weird thing that always has kind of nagged at me is in the lyrics, um, there's a line that says, It's just a burning, aching memory, but he says, aching for some reason. <laughs> Oh, I always thought it was ancient. I thought so too. That makes more sense. But I just checked the lyrics in the liner notes of the album, which I own. And it says aching, but he's saying aching for some reason. (laughs) Why did he do that?
1: Curious. Heroin. I don't know. The (laughs) only other thing that I would say about that is um, as he goes into the last chorus, there are some harmonics. And he really starts shouting the lyrics mm-hmm. and it really gets my blood boiling. That is just, just the very, very, uh, end of the song. He, mm-hmm. he
2: like kind of is yelling the, it's like the melody goes a little bit higher or something. Yeah. I, he I goes monotone yeah. and,
1: and goes up higher. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. Great song. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tripping on a hole and a paper heart. Mainstream number one, modern rock number three. awesome awesome (laughs) so i was curious to learn that this was this song originated with the drummer but it it totally makes sense i guess if you think about it it's a very rhythm section oriented song we'll we'll post on the facebook page but the the isolated vocal track or sorry not the isolated bass track um if you really really listen to the bass on this song it is really remarkable it is so funky
0: was insane seeing that video was mind-blowing I had no idea how busy that was yeah Mm -hmm. and that is so busy and it also just sort of shapes the song in a weird way even when it slows down the notes that it's playing made me go like oh my god this song is great and I had no idea like I mean I just thought it was sort of a a generic like I, I thought Positively about the song, but in a generic sort of way, where I was like, Oh yeah, that's kind mm-hmm. of a good song. Uh-huh. But then watching that mm-hmm. bass track was crazy.
1: That's great. I'm so glad.
2: Um, I think too, an interesting thing is uh the like kind of like guitar lick um that happens going into the chorus and then it happens like um at the is end of the, the phrase.
1: Yeah, nah, nah, that eventually nah. gets replaced with a synthesizer
2: It sounds like oh. uh, It sounds like Dancing Days
1: Oh, nah, nah, yeah nah,
2: nah, 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 nah. I, I nah, do think nah, 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 that in
1: nah, general nah, nah, nah. Uh, Travis will know what I mean This band loves uh, Flat fives And major sevens They love um, when something is just A half step lower than the, the ear Naturally expects it to be yeah. I think that's, uh, that's one of their secret weapons In this band yeah. I, not something necessarily that I was inclined to notice, but um, I have twice <laughs> seen uh, a friend of the podcast, Matt Rickle, post glowingly about the guitar solo in this song. Um, and it is quite a solo; it goes through yeah. multiple stages, and it's really impressive and inventive and really fun.
2: It is my he, rule for a he's good a big guitar fan. solo. He's I don't know big if i a fan I've... of this album. Sorry, Treff.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this
0: on the podcast before, but my rule for a good guitar solo is that you can sing along to it,
1: uh-huh. and
0: you can definitely sing along to this one,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's crazy because I, I think, Alec, you mentioned earlier, he's got a lot of different styles because he also plays a conventionally terrible solo on core, Um it was like just noticeably really bad. I can't remember on what song, what, what song it was on. Um, it was actually, I can, it was on a piece of pie. That was the name of the song. Um, I, don't even know. I, I, I made a note because it was just like, this is awful. Like the, the <laughs> solo was awful. And I don't, you know, always say that about guitar solos, but I mean, just comparing those two solos is, is night and day. Um, Really great, really great guitar solo here. Yeah, um, I um, also lyrically, um, any lyrics jump out at you about from from this song?
1: No, I guess I, I've never really paid that much attention.
0: The chorus ends with the line that says, "So keep your bankroll, lottery, eat your salad, deathbed motorcade." That's. <laughs> I'm all for like poetic combination of words. (laughs) But that's really,
1: that's really a stretch, right? (laughs) I don't know. Motorcade is definitely out of place.
0: (laughs) But bankroll, lottery, eat your salad, deathbed is good. They should have stopped there.
1: (laughs) I, I, I like that free association. I think about capitalism and mortality and, uh, um systems of systems of oppression man
3: <laughs> all right
1: maybe i'm the asshole here <laughs> uh we have not mentioned a single time lady picture show mainstream hmm. number 1 modern rock number 6
2: It's uh, it's good. Um, the chorus is a little too corny for me, a little too like obnoxious, uh, obnoxiously Beatles-ish. Yeah, it's the most Um,
1: straightforwardly '60s. Yeah, it's. I I love the
2: verse. I love the verses. I think the verse, the melody's awesome during the verse. Um, and the guitar tone and um. Mm -hmm. Uh, the guitar solo is kind of the guitar sweet. solo is rocking, yeah. It's mm. it, and it changes like style and phrasing a lot, yeah. Yeah, in, like, yeah you know, it starts
1: it, with this kind of big, like glamorous, showy, <laughs> yeah. And then, oh,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah and, yeah, it, yeah. and, yeah, and yeah.
2: like I, it's uh, I feel like the, not a lot of bands do this, but uh, playing a solo over multiple parts of a song you know like over the verse and then the chorus or whatever and um um and uh it's cool yeah it was a cool cool solo um the yeah the ver or the choruses are just too corny for me though um
0: yeah you said beatles and i was gonna throw that in too so so al didn't have to it's a this is the the stp beatles song this is uh Yeah. yeah like magical mystery tour era Kind of, uh,
1: kind of huh. thing, I think. I wouldn't think that, though. I would think this is. Um... Gosh, when would the Beatles do that boom, bonch, boom, bonch on the chorus? I know it would definitely be Paul's influence. <laughs> hmm. I guess I almost think of Maxwell's Silver Hammer there. Oh. Maybe this oh. is an Abbey Road kind of thing. Oh. I don't know. Maybe. Either way, I-, I agree that it is the Beatles one. I like it quite a lot. Tumble in the Rough. Mainstream rock number nine, modern rock number 36.
2: Yeah. I was not familiar with the song. Uh, oh, really? it's pretty sweet. It I, is. you know, just kidding. I, I think it was, <laughs> it sounded vaguely familiar to me, but, oh, um, I thought you were saying it's not sweet. No, 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 <laughs> no. I, like I like it. I like it. It's a, it's a cool song. It's a shredder. To lure it's us cool. In.
0: Uh, the music is credited to Scott Weiland on the song
2: hmm.
0: music and words by Scott Weiland. Um, the song rules um the highlight is the percussive guitar stuff
2: yeah uh and like the beat uh the beat during the verse being played entirely on the snare i think is cool oh Um, okay like uh a simple beat um but instead of uh using your prominent arm on the hi-hat um he's like doing it on the snare Oh um, wow! Cool. So that both both hands are hitting the snare. It's cool. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah,
1: it's a great song.
0: I thought um, the guitar. I, I was guessing it. It sounded like I don't know for for what reason, but I I thought it sounded like a, like there was, he was playing a Dan Electro uh, guitar oh,
2: in the video of Big Bang Baby. He is too. That
0: must be why. Mm-hmm. That that's probably exactly why. Because I checked the liner notes and it says that they were sponsored by Schechter. Which hmm. is not that. So Yeah. Um, but it, it i I mentioned that because the guitars sound different than it's not a Fender. It's not a Les Paul. It's not like a conventionally like popular sounding guitar. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of these songs, but especially on Tumble in the Rough. Like that does I, not sound like a, a typical like popular guitar.
2: I think that is uh the case on uh Lady Picture Show too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the guitar tone's interesting on this whole album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Big fan of Tiny Music. Uh, well, shall we move on to number four?
2: Oh, God. (laughs) I guess we have to, don't we? (laughs) Yeah,
1: all right. This one came out in 1999. It peaked at number six. I guess my number one takeaway is that it they sucks. revert. They, they revert to so much of what they did on core. Mm-hmm. Um, Weiland's vocals revert to the way that they did things on core, and they're these just just except for one r- song r- riffy dum dum things. Yep. Um. Uh, so for the most part, I don't think it's very good. But there there are like multiple songs where they stress the '60s influences more. And, um, some of those are, are pretty good. So I think this album is best when it's most, at its most Beatles-esque, but the hard rock stuff really sucks. Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't notice any thing, uh, sixties, let alone good aside from uh, sour girl.
1: Yeah. The, the songs that I made notes of were, um, And the song Pruno, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't remember specifically, although I did own this album. I must have sold this album fast (laughs) when I owned it in high school. (laughs) Um, Church on Tuesday, I noted, it had some good moments, and I Got You had some good moments. And there's a song called Atlanta that I did like all the way through.
0: Hmm. My notes uh, for Pruno uh, were can not tell if this is good or just good relative to the previous two songs, yeah, um, Church on Tuesday was like better getting warmer um Atlanta, I wrote the doors mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think
2: Wyland was a big Morrison head, like that's yeah what I that like makes I, sense I gathered yeah, there was a song called
0: Glide too that I thought was was
1: one of the better songs on the album. I wouldn't say it was good, but it was it was. <laughs> better? Um, There's this one song called Down that I just, I was really, I was really compelled by the way that it started. It goes... Dinner, 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 <laughs> dinner,
4: pleased to meet you, dinner dinner, 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 nice to know me, dinner, 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 dinner. what's the answer,
1: dinner, 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 <laughs> dinner.
4: well, you show me. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: I that song cool. is a they're piece cool. of shit. I like the I like
2: the the guitar harmonics uh in Generous. the songs do you know what I'm talking about. I like that. I like that guitar part.
1: Uh I don't I can't think of what you're Oh yeah, okay. The the harmonies. Yeah, I can hear
2: that. Like going with the vocal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad bad really uh, what a what a lead-off single. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, yeah,
2: I just remember, uh, um, I was so, yeah, like, oh, cool, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, coming out with another album, and, uh, it was not a good first taste, for sure.
1: (laughs) No. They knew better,
0: right? Like, we just listened to two albums that were, like, solid to very good. Mm Mm-hmm. How did they get how did they revert yeah. back to like the so worst New
3: metal man?
2: They were I think, they I were think Tiny to up Music up
1: the was was Tiny Music was at least a minor commercial disappointment. Yeah. Probably largely due to the fact that they couldn't tour mm-hmm. to support it. Right. But I think that they are they're chasing their tails back to core here. Yeah. I think they're very consciously trying to do a return to form. When their form sucks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it was
1: probably too weird for most mainstream
0: audiences. I don't know a lot of people that loved the singles from Tiny Music.
1: Mm -hmm. But they charted reasonably well. Yeah, Um, At least a couple of them did. Big Bang Baby, Lady Picture Show. I mean, those... Tripping on a hole. They they charted really well. So yeah, it's curious why they decided to go back this route. Yeah. But Quill, you were saying uh new metal. And I definitely hear it.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Down in uh No Way Out. Um (laughs) or New Metal.
0: This was this was the first time that I listened to this album. Mm-hmm. and Me too. it was it was also the first time i was like oh it makes perfect sense that they ended up with chester bennington as their singer <laughs> yeah like it made total sense after hearing this yeah i don't think i knew unfortunately
2: that. i don't think i knew they had that dude at yeah. that point
1: oh lord chester b baby mm-hmm. so singles uh down mainstream number 5 modern rock number 9 sucks shit <laughs> shit heaven and hot rods mainstream number 17 modern rock number 30
2: can't recall it off the top of my head but i'm pretty (laughs) sure i thought it was shit
1: i think it's slightly better than down my note Um, was i just heard this song
0: and it was down
1: (laughs) cool uh well we i guess it's time to talk about the the hidden secret of this album sour girl mainstream number four modern rock number three is
2: it so hidden and secret it was a kind no, of, it was it's a single. not
1: but it's so not in keeping with the rest oh, of the yeah. record
2: i i did not like it as a kid and really uh, uh-uh i don't think i got it and then a few years ago yeah um yeah,
1: yeah. sour girl sour girl is a masterpiece
2: <laughs> she way
4: Look at like-
0: A masterpiece. I mean, not yeah. even relative to this album, it is. It, it's an amazing song. Do you? Yeah. Do
2: you do? Do you? Either of you think it's the best Stunt Double Pilot song? Yes. Pe- period. Yes. Unquestionably. I'm.
1: I'm. I'm questioning it, but I'm like I'm tearing up talking about Sour Girl. Mm-hmm. Just the craft on display in the song and how. It's so It's musically it's really clever. It it is again it's beatles mm-hmm. Um there's a beautiful chorus.
2: Oh yeah, the chorus is beautiful and it's not my favorite part. The verses are just the verses yeah. kill me. Yep. Yeah, the like the bouncy are so bass interesting.
1: And yeah. The, and the, and the, the the production is is um subtle but it oh, definitely dude. they they do a really nice job. The drums sound
2: amazing on it.
1: This track. Um no way out mainstream number 17 <laughs> modern rock number 24 the shittiest
2: of the shit the shittiest <laughs> shit i've ever heard shit
1: <laughs> it is i had to remind myself how it goes right before the podcast because yeah. we were talking about how terrible it was and i already don't remember yeah My
4: bed's taken by-
1: what does he say give it away give it oh yeah give it away now mother now give it away yeah, yeah
3: it's
2: uh, uh yeah it's it's one of the worst songs i yeah <laughs> I, I i've ever heard uh from this era or any era <laughs> <laughs> and here from
0: a good band Right? Like, I think we have to, like, kind of qualify it by saying that. Like, this is a good band who's yeah. shown that they know how to make great songs. Yeah. And they still choose to put stuff out that sounds like this.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, Kryptonite by Three Doors Down is better. Um, <laughs> I would say maybe at least one Nickelback song is better. Uh, like, the worst bands have yeah. better songs okay. than this song. All right. Do you Post like
0: 2000? So sorry. I was just going to ask if how many stained songs you like more than um No Way Out.
2: One, at least. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a stained song that I like.
0: Yeah. Period. Five star yeah. song for you.
2: No. <laughs> no. Like maybe a 4.25 uh, All of Favor. Maybe maybe a 4.25 um uh I can't think of a major right now to use for. Uh, okay,
1: so post two thousand, anything, anything notable that you want to say?
2: No, I'm done. I
1: <laughs> I accidentally heard a song
0: called "Days of the Week" from uh-huh. their album "Shangri La Da" from two thousand and one,
1: and it was good. I liked it too. I it was, was my like, first time hearing it. Yeah,
0: yeah. What did I it sound like? It just it sounded like a, maybe a tiny music song, kind of. It was like, it's, it sunshine has a, a kind strong, of
1: like, st- yeah, strong 60s, 70s yeah. influence.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I was shocked by how many side projects they had all together. Holy cow. So you got, you got Velvet Revolver that mm-hmm. happened after this. Um, we talked about Magnificent Bastards and Talk Show.
2: There was a Scott Weiland solo album, too, correct? There
0: was a Scott yes. Weiland solo
1: mm-hmm. album, 12 Bar Blues. Mm-hmm. That I had... remember checking it out of the Ann Arbor Public Library. Yeah,
0: um, Cheryl Crow pay- played accordion on it at some oh, point. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> um, there was a side project with the DeLeos and Richard Patrick from Filter called Army of Anyone that put out an album in 2006.
1: Such a mid-2000s band Ugh, name. Oh, it's bad.
0: Um, Anyways, yeah, so um they also had the Scott Weiland in the Wildabouts. I don't know if that was <laughs> something that happened later. And then he was in a group, a super group called Art of Anarchy, which sounds really bad. They've carried on with Scott Stapp since, since that time. So oh, no. They're, they're doing great. They're doing great. Don't worry about they're that. They're called
2: Art of Anarchy? Yeah. With Scott um, Stapp? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: um Also, the DeLeo brothers produced... True Ant by Alien Ant Farm in
2: two thousand and three. Oh nice. Okay. Wait, oh. hold on, hold the phone. Go yeah. back to Army of Anarchy or whatever. Ar- Art of Anarchy. Art of Anarchy. Yeah. You said that was a super group. Who else was in that? I don't know. Some shitheads.
0: <laughs> Nobody cool. It was it was like you know, I, I I I guess I should double check that just in case. But I thought yeah, it was yeah, like I'm people liking. I'd
2: never heard of.
1: Oh. Um, Aaron All Lewis right, we've from got Guns N' Roses guitarist Ron Bumblefoot Fall, <laughs> <laughs> Disturbed bassist John Moyer, and uh, No Name Twin Brothers John and Vince Vada on guitar and drums, hmm. and Creed vocalist Scott Stapp. So, Art of Anarchy, not to be confused with Army of Anyone. <laughs> Sure. Right. Any memories related to Wyland's death?
2: Uh, no. I mean, I just remember being bummed. Um,
3: Uh, and, like, probably not
2: surprised. Um, I think that it, like, people kind of expected it and maybe thought, um, it would have happened sooner. I don't know.
1: Yeah, My- I had a Facebook friend who is a um, an Ann Arbor area indie rock musician who made a, a specifically made a post on the day that Scott Weiland died to say that he was not sad that Scott Weiland had died. Jesus. And I immediately unfollowed him, and I've <laughs> never heard from him since. Cool. <laughs> He, uh, I, I, that was a good
0: reminder for me of how naive I am because I remembered reading, um, other people saying like, he was, he was clean. Like he was like, he'd been off of drugs and and Mm. substances and everything like that for a long time. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. (laughs) How could he have died then? And of course, you know, it came out later that, you know, he wasn't. Mm -hmm, And I think the same, like something similar happened with Chris Cornell, where it was mm-hmm. like you know he he also was like clean and in a great place and was like oh wow that's really weird and then you know things come out later that he's still dealing with substance abuse issues mm-hmm. and it's like oh it's really sad Jeez.
1: yeah heroin especially mm-hmm. i mean everything that i read about heroin is just you know you know people uh we got a lot of anti-drug education when we were kids that we've come to be skeptical of and to to think is silly but there's there's definitely no question i mean there's no counter argument that people take heroin and their lives are just like they're over their mm-hmm. lives are over from the first time that they take heroin mm. okay well uh this uh, brings us to the fun final segment here so we're going to rotate on and off and we're going to nominate songs for Honorary inclusion in the Hall of Fame, and the the threshold that songs have to cross is an average rating of four point two five to get into the Hall of Fame. That's what we decided in our New Year's Eve nineteen ninety five special, uh, or the stall of blame, for which they have to have a an average rating of two or less. Um, and we're gonna stick to singles, although uh, promotional singles. Will count. So we're going to go around uh, one by one and suggest songs for the Hall of Fame. Honorary placement and Hall of Fame are the, the honorary stall of blame. Um, Quillen, why don't you get us started?
2: Yeah. Um, I might be regretting my decision for this song <laughs> uh, based mm-hmm. off our conversation earlier. But uh, I'm going to stick with it. I am nominating Plush, the single from Core, for the Hall of Fame. All right. Um, What's your rating? My rating of it is 4.25 Dogs Who Smelt Her.
0: (laughs) Huh. Um. Man, I'm I'm really happy that you love that song. I think it's great. Um for me that song is just like a little better than average. Um unfortunately. So I I gave it a
1: 2.75. Damn. Yikes. Okay. Yeah, I think it's uh I think it's a decent track. Uh I enjoy it when it comes on, but I I certainly would never seek it out. So I'll I'll give it 3 dogs who smelter so altogether it looks like that's 3.33 yeah so plush is a miss for the hall of fame oh
0: i've got a song i've got a song and i'm gonna suggest i'm gonna suggest it um i'm not gonna tell you whether it's good or bad but the song is called dead and bloated by stone (laughs) temple pilots I'll let you come up with your own ratings in your mind before I say what I'm going to say. But um, I'm just glad. I would rather be kissed by a rose on the grave than to smell like a rose that somebody gave me on my
3: birthday deathbed.
0: <laughs> I give Dead and Bloated a one. The lowest rating I've ever given a song to this point.
1: Um, my question is, can we give zeros? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I give this song zero roses that somebody gave me on my <laughs> birthday deathbed. Wow. This is the a... worst song you've ever heard.
0: This was can <laughs> I mean, this is like that to, to I, have a
1: zero, like you really gotta have some animosity towards this song. I remember buying purple and tiny music and and liking both of them and then sometime after that going back and buying a copy of core for like five dollars from record exchange and the second that i put it on i was like no 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 i will like i will not have this in my house like the first 30 seconds of the album okay that's great zero yeah Yeah. zero
0: you said it
2: i give it a (laughs) 2.5 I think it's right in the middle. <laughs> what? All right. You but, think it's um,
0: slightly worse than I think plush is? We got to get together and like kind of <laughs> figure out what our rating system is <laughs> no. between the two of us. Apparently.
2: <laughs> no, man, no. I don't. I don't um, hate. I don't hate. Dead and bloated is what I'm saying. Wow. Okay. Wow. I see 1.16 repeated. So it is definitely inducted into the honorary. Stall of Blame
1: it, It's not necessarily fair for us to put these Into the normal Stall of Blame and Hall of Fame because uh, That's reserved for number ones mm-hmm. And so uh, As a result we're, we're getting to consider Lots of STP songs So this is going to go in the honorary Stall of Blame Alright let's move beyond core um, I'm going to suggest That we put Vaseline from Purple In the Hall of Fame Behold. I'm going to go ahead and give it five flies in the vaseline. Perfect song.
2: I'll give it five flies in the vaseline. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> My first five is a an honorary inductee.
0: Wow. Well, I'm not. So, uh it's a uh, 3.75 for me.
1: It's All good. Right. Let's see how the math works out, but and it's good in. enough. Yeah, it should be good enough. Four point five eight. That might actually wow. be our highest rating yet.
2: Uh, tied with about a girl.
1: It's in honorary inclusion for Vaseline. Woo! Oh. Woo! Quill, another song from Purple. Yeah, I got one.
2: Uh, it's called Pretty Penny. Uh, I would like to induct it into the Hall of Fame.
4: My sheep and
2: Uh, five out of five. Led Zeppelin's.
0: <laughs> wow, there's there's two fives
2: on purple for
0: you. That's great. At least yep. we haven't even covered them all. Um, Pretty Penny is cool. Um, at this point in my life, I would give it a four. For Led Zeppelin, um, it's it's good. It's good. And I, I bet if you ask me in a few weeks, it might even be higher than that, I suspect.
2: I'm really glad to hear that because I thought that you did not like that song.
0: Um, it's grown. It's grown awesome in esteem uh, since, uh, since we've started discussing it.
1: All right. I don't like being in this position, but um, this one doesn't stand out to me. I, I still like it in general. I'm going to give it 3.5 Led Zeppelin's. Ah, what's the math? Come it out just to misses.
2: Four point one six repeating. Wow. All
1: right. I'm sorry. I don't like being that guy, but that's uh, Alec.
0: Maybe next year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Travis, a song from Purple.
0: Yeah, baby. How about Interstate Love Song, the
1: classic?
3: Yeah, uh it's. it's great. I don't
0: deny that it's a classic. It's great. Um, I give this song 4.25 lies. <laughs>
1: That's like the line from the song, I guess. Yeah, it is. I guess.
2: I give it also 4.25 lies.
1: Okay. So once again, I'm the deciding vote, and I'm I'm I haven't actually given any quarter point votes yet and I think I'm going to stick with not giving any quarter-point votes, I give this four lies.
2: Mm, Hey.
1: Yeah. All right. So it falls just short. Yep. All right.
2: 4.16 repeating again. Alec.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is this going to count against me in my 1995 stats? I would like to keep my most generous Raider uh, designation. No, I don't think think this count.
2: I, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this counts.
1: You put it on the record, you're on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I don't know how I feel about that, because Interstate Love Song is that's really good. Too late, dude. But it's too late. Bump it up. It's too late.
2: I mean, you still gave it a good rating. You yeah. Could, you could, the Hall Revisit of Fame it. is the the Hall of Fame is the <laughs> most elite Trav
1: of the is really pushing. You should. for, for <laughs> revisions. You here. can
0: make an apology on the Facebook page and uh <laughs>
1: maybe we can officially change it later. Well, let me say this. If Facebook Facebook followers if you try to convince me to up that just another 0.25 and I will strongly consider it. (laughs) Okay. You should um, do that with Pretty
2: Penny first, you dingus.
1: Okay. I would like to propose a song from Tiny Music. It is the first single, Big Bang Baby. This is a 4.5 Orange Crush Mamas for me 4. i also 4. give 4. it 5,
0: a 4.5, you say four i also give it a 4.5 orange crush mamas
2: wow it's great i give it a 4.75 orange crush wow. mamas oh wow. wow all right now so we're right, in, well, in
1: big bang baby is in uh let's move on to Trav's, uh, a, a pick from Trav from Tiny Music.
0: Yeah, I got one. I love it. It's called Tumble in the Rough. I'm looking
3: for a new meditation. Still looking for a new way to fly. Don't want any plastic validation.
0: And I give it a 4.5. Tumble's in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I also give it 4.5 tumbles in the rough. Wow,
2: I give it four tumbles in
1: the rough. Well, I think that's sufficient. 4.33 4. repeating. Yes,
2: that one Tumble in is the rough.
1: Honorary Hall of Fame.
2: So many, so many <laughs> entries.
1: Yeah, that's why it's not fair yeah. to put them in the actual Hall they of Fame. They have so
2: many great singles, though.
0: Look at this. I they mean, these too. are legitimately they have such awesome good songs.
1: singles. All right, I'm going to suggest Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart for the Hall of Fame. I'm going to give Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart five bankroll salads. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect song.
2: Five. Uh, I'm giving it 4.25. Bankroll Salads. Uh, I give the song "Tripping on a Hole in a Paper
0: Heart with Money in My Hands Outside a Broken Phone Booth by Primitive Radio Gods <laughs> a four bankroll salads. Still
1: in. It's in. Quillen, you have a song for number four?
2: I have a song from number four that I would like to nominate uh, into the Stall of Blame. Uh, (laughs) we were talking about it earlier. It is called No Way Out. It It is arguably one of the worst songs I've heard, at least in recent memory. Um, I give it uh zero ways out. um i
0: <laughs> i weirdly like had given this a 1.75 and then i was like no this is a 1.5 <laughs> okay it's all terrible i don't know what to say 1.5 ways out
2: cool
1: one and a half uh, ways <laughs> <laughs> i will give it one way out yes <laughs> cool meaning uh 0.83 repeating
2: 0.83 That's bad. Yes.
1: All right. Solid blame. It's in. All right, and finally, will this be an unprecedented moment in thoughts? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm wondering
2: the same. I'm wondering the same thing.
1: I would like to nominate the song "Sour Girl." I mean, we're all. Hold on. Essentially,
2: we all three nominate this. I feel like. Yeah. Pretty absolutely. This
1: is our final. Final STP moment here. What
3: do? What do five out of
2: five Sarah Michelle Gellers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I give it five out of five black-haired Sarah Michelle Gellers.
1: <laughs> and a first for Thoughts on Pod yes! History. I would like to give this. 5 black haired Sarah michelle gomez
2: Yes, we did it. We finally <laughs> we did, did it. it.
1: We did it. What, like perfect 18, perfect five. 18
2: 19 20 episodes in. We finally did it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's just honorary unfortunately. But think about
2: it. Sour girl essentially we're saying is the best song we've covered yet. Yeah. Yeah. Which I might I Collectively. might stand by that. I might stand by that.
0: That's I, mean, great. I mean, we did talk about Stay by Lisa Loeb, and we haven't really rated that,
2: but, <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, that's okay.
1: Well, so in the future, uh, we'd like to keep doing this with bands that have not uh, gotten an alternative rock number one. We've got a spreadsheet that's full of possibilities. We've got, let's see, No Doubt. Hootie, Hootie, um, Pearl
2: Jam, uh, is Allison Chains now. Pearl
1: Jam does have a number one, so we're in an ambiguous oh, place there. Oh, that's right. Is, yeah, uh, Allison Chains, Chains. Uh, yeah. Cheryl Crow, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: um, Blur, Blur, yeah. We Fiona might do a can, yeah. Might do a a Canadian rock special. Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, yeah. we should maybe take uh, submissions, like uh, requests of something for sure. Like, There's two ideas from our. Uh, Facebook group.
1: Okay, final final thing um, is Stone Temple Pilots in Nirvana wannabe.
2: It's a tricky one because I, sometimes yes, sometimes no, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think the answer is fundamentally yes to some degree, but when they trust their instincts and they do their own thing, um, they can come up with something that is like magically different mm-hmm. from Nirvana.
0: Yeah, I think they probably didn't put core out, if not for Nirvana, right? Or Mm -hmm. core didn't sound like core without Nirvana. So, Um, and then unglued is absolutely Mm -hmm. Nirvana to a T. So,
1: I mean, yeah, at moments, yes. All (laughs) right. Tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine and check out our sibling podcast, Best Song Ever. Email us about upcoming songs at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Email us a question and we'll discuss it at our earliest convenience or send us comments, memories, corrections, and complaints. If you send comments as a voice memo, we'd love to include them at the end of the show. Listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or a watch along on YouTube. You can also join our Facebook group, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I don't have anything clever to introduce to the next episode because we have not necessarily decided when this is going to air, so we'll just say see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: Thank you.
1: Bye.